This is the Uplink Marketing Podcast. My name is Evan Chastine, and I am sitting here today with Patrick Ashmead, the Director of Client Success for Uplink Marketing. That job title really doesn't define all that you do with and for Uplink Marketing. Came on April 1st with that role, but with three employees, we all kind of are wearing more than one hat at the moment as we figure out how to make money and then scale the process that we figure out that makes the company money. So we've got jobs and are, are able to do things we enjoy with people we enjoy being around. It's kind of my my frame, my context for why I enjoy working with Uplink Marketing in the first place. So welcome, Patrick, to Uplink Marketing as an organization. I've told you that outside of a podcast, but on the podcast, welcome. And welcome to the Uplink Marketing Podcast, your first ever podcast appearance. Yeah, appreciate it. Excited to be a part of the team and excited to be here on the podcast and going through the first time. So Yeah, man. So on Hudson's episode, we kind of started with this idea that marketing is more than, marketing is about telling a story. It's more than just numbers, which we're going to get into today, kind of numbers and the story and how they interact with each other. But it's, it's always nice to hear the story, and it's impactful to hear stories. So would you share with me and with the Uplink Marketing Podcast listeners, I think most of them are in Germany right now. So Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't know how they're finding the podcast. Well, shout out to Germany. Yeah, what's up, Germany? <laughs> would you share with me and our listeners a little bit about who you are? And my frame is like how you came to love data and then we're going to talk a little bit about how data impacts marketing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'll touch on, you know, professionally who I am. You know, so went, did my undergrad at Kennesaw State University, local school. Got my degree in finance there. Started out at a company called Market Source over also a local Alpharetta company. Started out there right out of school. Was there about six and a half years. It was a great experience. While I was there, you know, got to jump into a few different positions. So I was always on the financial operations team, started out as a financial analyst in entry-level role, had the opportunity to move up to a lead role, you know, and then eventually working up to a finance manager role, got to work on, you know, they divide their business up on retail side of the business and commercial, which is essentially B2B side of the house, got the opportunity to work on both retail and commercial Got to work with various levels of people in the organization, which was really great experience. A lot of awesome people over there. While I was working there, I also went and did a uh, professional MBA program. So University of Georgia has a program that's in Buckhead. So it's about a two-year program, a little less than two years. So I actually finished that right when COVID was kind of starting. So actually it was kind of like an underwhelming finish, you know, you you went from having no free time working in an office and going Mm -hmm. to school at night to then being at working from home and not having any school at night. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last few courses I was on were completely transitioned to completely online. And so then I finished and we didn't get to do any graduation ceremony or, (laughs) you know, anything like that. No celebrating. No. Anticlimactic. Anticlimactic was, yeah, the word I was searching for. It's It's a good way to put it. It was just like, done. I remember finishing and I had my last class, my last, you know, final exam or whatever it was. And I kind of finished and my wife came home and I was like, Oh yeah. Like it was like a day or two later. I was like, by the way, I'm done. She's like, what? 
And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm finished. Like yeah, I graduated. You did it. Um, That's funny. Did anything happen in your life leading up to Kennesaw State University, le- leading up to college that influenced you in the direction of finance did you just were you just like oh, i think i could i could make a lot of money in finance were you like I, i've enjoyed math or did you see opportunity there long term what what influenced you in that direction yeah it's a good question when i started school i was really unsure exactly what i wanted to do i didn't declare my major until you know the end of sophomore year which you know might be a standard kind sure. of thing i remember not knowing if i wanted to do you know, business or math and which direction I was heading. So I remember when I was taking certain courses, I was looking at the different routes. And so like I took a, you know, high, you know, you could take business calculus or I took calculus like 101 or, you know, whatever it was called at the time, just in case I wanted to transition to something in math or science or, you know, whatever it might be. That way I was still getting course credit for, for that. I was actually declared an IS major, information systems major, before I went mm. the finance route. So I took the very first course in information systems. It was uh, application development. Wasn't a fan. <laughs> and then I was also at the same time taking, you know, the the general finance like 101 course, mm-hmm. um, which is a prereq for all business majors. And I, I really enjoyed it. And then I kind of took an investments course and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. So then it's kind of like, okay, you know, I'm going to make my major finance and see where this goes. So it was kind of an undecided and just kind of let it unfold. But I've always enjoyed math and numbers and, you know, at the time, you know, learning spreadsheets and things like that was, you know, enjoyable. So Yeah. Well, even from from my understanding or, or based on, I guess, I don't know if this is actual data or just rumors that travel as though they're data, rarely do people work in whatever industry they graduate with a degree in or or if rarely is not the right word like what caused you to be like oh yeah I got a finance degree I'm gonna go look for a finance job instead of anything else you so once you once you got into finance you enjoyed it yeah yeah absolutely I mean there's a lot of different routes you can take I think everyone that jumps into becomes a finance major is like oh I want to do investment banking you know it's kind of the the glamorous thing I mean, those jobs are really, really tough to get. Also really demanding. You know, you hear kind of the stories of people in investment banking and working the crazy hours. And I mean, it's kind of glorified in a way. You know, why I decided to go from finance to a finance job, just, hey, it's what you do, you know, at the time. You know, and I was, a lot of people, I think you're right, you know, get degrees in certain fields and then end up finding opportunities in different things and kind of find different passions along the way. And I think that's great too. I mean, I think a great example is I worked in specifically in financial operations for six and a half years. And now I'm pivoting to something completely new that, you know, I'm, I don't have a degree in, you know, I don't know a ton about and I'm learning, you know, I was kind of joking with some the other day saying, you know, Hey, I got my degree in this, but I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of part of the journey. And it's, you know, that's something I realized about myself is I, I like learning new things, new challenges you know, and so when this came up, I was like, hey, a new opportunity to try something new, learn something new. So. Yeah, it it seems as though, so I didn't listen to my dad in college. He told me to get a finance degree and I went with a marketing degree instead because it seemed easier at the time, I think was my, my mindset uh, mm-hmm. during those four years. And 
having you come on the team at a, at a marketing agency with a finance background, I see the importance and the value that finance brings to any other area of business. Finance does seem like the foundation of any organization or business because you can't get away from needing money to continue operating. Like no, no business organization has figured out a way to exist just free of any affiliation with money to my knowledge. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do think it's really important and, you know, we'll obviously kind of dive into some examples and stuff in a little bit, but you know, I'm big on trying to do my best to, to base decisions on the data that you have at hand and, you know, understanding how those decisions are going to impact the company. And, you know, even if you're making a decision that, you know, might have a, a short-term, you know, financial impact in a negative way, like at least knowing that it's part of the strategy. But I think it's a, it's a balance because, you know, being in finance, I'm pretty risk averse. And so there's probably decisions that I wouldn't make. And I've been in conversations with people on the sales side of the house or client services where I'm trying to convince them like why this is not a good financial decision, but they have a different lens than I have. And you know, discussing with them and kind of asking them their, some of their insights, I can understand where they're coming from too. So it is kind of a fine balance. Yeah. So let's yeah. jump to the question of, of I think we're, get, we're working our way towards why that's a fine balance. What I think a question I asked is what's the importance of data specifically mm-hmm. in decision-making? When I say data, I'm meaning finance there, but I think there's, you know, data can be way more broad than, than just finance. So just data in general, what's the importance of data and decision-making? And then specifically, what's the importance of data in marketing? Yeah. I mean, I think data and decision-making is huge. You know, most of the data that I'm used to is financial data, but there's a lot of things that lead to that and that go into that. There's just so many different ways you can answer this question. I mean, I think every decision should be grounded in the data that you have at hand at that time. And so, I mean, we live in a data-driven world. I mean, you can look at the largest companies that are really successful right now and underneath everything, they're, they're data companies, right? Yeah. And they're selling that data to the highest bidders. And I mean, you can get into the ethics of all of that too. Sure. But I think it just goes to show that the data is very, very important and people want that. You said something there, data is like the foundation for all decision-making or Mm -hmm. should be the foundation for all decision-making, something along those lines. I actually don't think that decisions can be made absent of data, whether you realize that you're taking in data or not, like whether Mm -hmm. it's consciously realized. I don't think decisions can be made at all without data. Like we're constantly taking in data, numbers or not. If I'm at a stoplight and I see the stoplight's red, I make the decision to stop. And then whenever my I take in the data that the lights turned green, then I go. And I could make a different decision using that data. If the light's red and I choose to go, I'm making that decision. But we're constantly evaluating data and making decisions based off of the data that we receive. So the task seems to be opening our eyes to the most important data, not just the data that's in front of you. So if the light's green and there's also somebody walking in front of in front of my car, those are two conflicting data points. Right. How, how do you make the decision? The light says go. The, the person standing in front of the car says don't go. 
that's not something I'm consciously thinking about in that moment. You just don't go if the person's standing there, even though the light's saying go. But I think in in business, we're receiving conflicting data and, and trying to figure out which data is the most important data to take in. And are we even looking at the right data to make a decision? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest struggles. And then because we do live in a world where there's so much data, like you said, like, are you looking at the right data? How do you interpret that data? Everyone's going to interpret it. You know, you could be looking at a set of data. I could be looking at a set of data and maybe not even, you know, when I say data, you know, you can think like raw report data, or you can think like a presentation, a graph, anything, you know, we can look at that and we can come to two different conclusions about the the best actions forward based on what's in front of us yeah so you know it definitely gets tricky in terms of how to even interpret it and like what to do about it and i I don't think there is there's never going to be one right answer it's just trying to think about the situation you're in think about the access you know just because there is so much data out there i mean it doesn't mean you have access to it all um Mm. you've got to try and make the best decision you can with the access to that data that you you have kind of like you said hey in that example of you know it's a green light should i go well take a look around right you know before i go through any any light you know maybe it frustrates people behind me but i i stop i don't go immediately when the light turns green i take a look to the left and the right because i've seen so many people run through red lights and i'm like i don't really want to get t-boned today so i try and do my best to you know and that's like another example of okay, let me look around, see what other data I can collect before I go and make the decision to go. Yeah. And it seems like the more important the decision, the more data you want to collect. So there are small decisions. What clothes I put on today, the data I'm analyzing is what are my activities in the day. If I have a meeting, I'll put on something nicer. If I'm the house all day, maybe it's, it's comfortability that that's going into to making that decision. But I, I want to jump too back to something real quick you said yeah. about decision making and data because I think you're helping me understand how this all affects marketing. You've asked some really good questions in the last month and a half that you've been a part of the team, which is how do we, how are we presenting data to our clients and what story does that tell, and is marketing really even working or not? Which right. are are not fun questions for me to have to even think about, but I think those are the 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 questions that need to be addressed or there's the most there's the highest ROI if you have answers to those questions Uh, absolutely if if you know the answers to those you can have a lot of clarity on what direction to take a business and and I think I've existed with a little bit of fog around those questions uh, for quite some time now in marketing and I'm really excited about gaining some clarity so tell me what prompted your questions about data and marketing and what you're learning about marketing and data and storytelling in the midst of what you're helping uplink marketing with right now? I think the, the first thing that prompted me to ask those questions, I mean, I could go back to just kind of how I'm wired in a way, what I've spent the past six and a half years doing. I think I just tend to look at everything through that lens. So there's that aspect but there's also the aspect now that I'm stepping into this, you know, essentially, you know, director of client success role where, you know, it's been a lot of fun, especially getting to send people over some of the, the more creative things that we do, like the uh, brand books, the brand guides and really cool stuff that Hudson works on. So there's that aspect. But then 
when there's clients paying for marketing campaigns, you know, we're sending over the data. So, you know, being able to confidently go in there and explain to them what's the data saying? What is the report saying? You know, we talk a lot about like reach and conversions and, you know, essentially we're running these campaigns to ultimately deliver on a goal for the client. So, you know, it's important to know the goal oftentimes, you know, at the end of the day, not even oftentimes, the ultimate goal is they're running these campaigns to, you know, funnel the marketing leads to sales qualified leads and generate revenue. So it's a, I think it's a combination of being able to explain to the clients what's going on, fielding some of those questions, because I think they're, they're paying us money to, to generate that for them. Um, and then that paired with just the fact of how my mind works and kind of how I see, you know, business through the lens that I have. Um, being able to ultimately go back, you know, I'm convinced at the end of the day, depending on who you're talking to an organization, you know, if we're talking to, you know, obviously a CFO of an organization, but even the CEO who's ultimately responsible for that business, that they're probably making decisions based on where they can get the highest ROI, yeah, generate the most revenue, which is essentially hopefully going to generate the most return for their company. And I think that that's important. Because there's people at the company who are depending on those jobs. And if they're making those decisions based on that, you know, if they can put their, their money in something else that's going to generate sales, they're probably going to do, they probably should do that. So I think being able to put on that lens of what we're doing and to be able to explain why they should spend money working with us and, you know, how it's going to impact their company in a positive way. Yeah. You've, you've almost become the client that is the most difficult to convince to use our services, which is a really valuable asset for an organization. It allows us to think differently about how we're presenting the services we've offered. And we've even, you've, you've helped put together some case studies that takes data that we've had access to for the last two years and, and tell a story with it. So something too, that you've talked about in the midst of that storytelling with data is strictly the data doesn't tell the whole story. Like right. there's typically data, invisible data essentially that you have to create or, or find, uncover, and that invisible data is typically, the nature of it is, is very story related. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you can make data tell whatever story you want in a sense. So, you know, kind of going back to one thing you were saying, how I've been like kind of the hardest client it's been fun. And I, I mean, I think I'll just say it. I think we talked about this offline and I think you know this, that one big reason I'm here is because I'm interested in what we're doing. And I think that there's value. I mean, I know, I guess to correct myself, I know there's value in what we're doing. I don't think that, you know, the podcasting thing um, kind of paired with the marketing campaigns and all the, the graphic design and, you know, building out the brands, like all of it working together. I see the value and I know it. So like I I like to play devil's advocate a yeah, lot um, you're very to good ask at devil's advocate. <laughs> to ask those questions like you know we're having that conversation the other day about podcasting and you know I I kind of was asking some questions which you know I think were probably frustrating for you to answer and it, <laughs> yeah. it's not even that I I think those things that I was asking it was just I can see someone asking that question and I I myself don't have a way to convey it the the best answer to somebody. If somebody were to ask me, you know, I, I know enough, but I, I don't have a, a clear, direct answer. And you've thought a, more, a lot more about it. 
so I kind of wanted to pick your brain in a way and help us to be able to present it in the most positive light. Cause I know it's there. Right. Um, I just don't know how to convey it myself. Yeah. And, w- and what you're doing too is making me put words to things that I've thought about a lot. Cause I think I think in concepts quite mm-hmm. often and rarely do I take those concepts, break them down into the English language and try to concisely and clearly communicate them to another human being. Like that takes a lot of energy brain energy mm-hmm. calories are burned like yeah. doing that type of work and that's not where i've spent my energy up until this point so whenever you start asking questions and i'm thinking in concepts but trying to answer your questions in english it does get frustrating quickly but i i also see the value in doing that hard work because that's work that once it's done is done like Oh yes, we we did it. We created the clear, concise way to communicate value of podcasting to a potential client. So it was funny. In particular, the one you were talking about was us having the Uplink Marketing podcast, right? And and like, is that a place where is that a high return activity for us right now? I think yeah. I think the big part of that is where we're at right now. Is that where there's a lot of things going on? And driving profitability, you know, breaking even in my mind is the ultimate goal right now. Yep. So with that in mind, with that lens is spending time. There's a lot of things to do. I mean, it's, you know, it all goes back to time and money. If, if you've got enough, you know, I know your, your dad was explaining that to us the other day and I've, I've heard many people talk about that. And, you know, I, I asked, used to ask questions about, you know, you know, why can't we, you know, build this process out in this way? And, you know, oftentimes the answer I get back, it's like, well, we can, but you know, it's, if you have enough time and money to spend on it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of allocating those resources. So yeah, I was asking the question of playing devil's advocate where we're at right now as a company with, we know what, you know, our goals are, is this going to be the best thing in the short term for us to spend our, our time on. And if it's a long-term goal, is now the time to start or not? Yeah, yeah, which was really challenging. But at the end of it, we decided it was. We, it, it's hard to we're sell here. a service. Yeah, we're, we're here spending our time and, and money on this this morning, recording a podcast, both of us in the room. There will be editing. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So whether it's it's more time allocation right now than money because we have the resources in-house to do this because we're doing it for clients and ultimately came down to if we're selling something to our clients that we're not doing ourselves, it's going to be a lot harder to sell something to generate revenue. So this is a revenue generating activity, us recording this podcast right now. And your data mind comes back to, well, what's the ROI on us sitting in a room together, talking about a podcast, recording a podcast for however long this podcast is going to be. Like, can we somehow figure out a way to calculate the ROI on that, which is, I think time is a huge factor in in this one particular, because a, a part of our strategy with this podcast is to interview people that are very similar, if not literally our ideal client and, and get them in the room and talk to them in a way where you avoid some typical sales channels that you have to go through and you build a relationship. And we think that's a good podcast strategy. So it's, it's not that we're generating ROI by the amount of listeners we have, but we're building relationships with people, giving them a platform to share something that they're passionate about and hopefully providing value to them 
and providing value to the company, which will lead to revenue through podcasting clients and sharing our other services, you know, allowing people to, to share their stories with other people through the Uplink Marketing Podcast is a way to generate revenue. Did I miss anything that I said the other day that helped convince you that it was valuable enough for us to be here this morning spending our time recording it? No, no, I think I think that covers it. And I think the big part to me is we're trying to sell this as a, a big part of what we're doing and the value. But if you're not doing it yourself, like how can you truly articulate the value to someone else when you're not focusing on it? Right. Um, I think that was the big thing to me, which kind of goes back to like the data and the ROI. And it's it's not always so clear because can you turn that into data? Can you turn that into an ROI in the long term? Like, sure, we can sit down and, you know, try and do our best to articulate how this is going to play out in the long run for us and generate revenue and part of our sales forecast. Sure. Which I guess I, I would argue that, like, that's going back to making a sound decision. But, it, but it's still kind of based on our best assumption at the time. So it's not like we have a ton of data to back it up. So it's kind of paired with turning our intuition into data to drive our sales forecast. Thanks for listening to the Uplink Marketing Podcast. This is part one of my conversation with Patrick Ashmead about data and marketing and how the two go so well together. We are going to continue to explore this topic in next week's episode. If you want to learn more about Uplink Marketing and how you can implement our system to help you make more money, you can reach out to us at uplinkmarketing.com.